Stem is a 54-year-old man complains of intermittent palpitations. He has no history of cardiac disease or hypertension. The ECG shows atrial fibrillation. How would you manage him? In this gentleman with acute atrial fibrillation, my priority in management would be to determine whether he's hemodynamically stable or unstable. If the patient was hemodynamically unstable, I would want to firstly conduct a primary survey and then call for senior help where I'd where I expect that they would the patient would undergo electrical cardioversion um, in order to convert them to sinus rhythm accepting the risk of thromboembolic complications and then this would be followed by four weeks of anticoagulation to prevent thromboembolism from forming. As part of cardioversion I'd want to un put them through direct direct current cardioversion starting with 100 joules and then moving up to 300 joules. If the patient was refractory to cardioversion which is three unsuccessful attempts then I'd want them want to administer 300 milligrams of am, IV amiodarone for 10 to 20 minutes and repeat followed by amiodarone 900 milligrams for 24 hours. Then assuming that the patient is in acute atrial fibrillation and the patient is hemodynamically dynamically stable, my goals for management would be to achieve rate control, anticoagulate them to prevent the formation of thromboembolism, cardiovert them as necessary, and then determine the etiology of the atrial fibrillation. As part of the clinical assessment of this patient, I would want to start off with a history where I would firstly classify the atrial fibrillation since this changes the management pathway. So either paroxysmal persistent, long-standing persistent or permanent atrial fibrillation. And then I would also ask the patient about symptoms of atrial fibrillation and whether they're affecting the patient's life. Symptoms such as um, palpitations, fatigue, weakness, lightheadedness, dyspnea and decreased exercise capacity. I would then follow on to ask about potential risk factors or precipitants of atrial fibrillation, including age, heart disease, including um, coronary artery disease, myocardial infarction, hypertension, um, congestive cardiac disease, congestive cardiac failure, and valvular heart disease, as well as pericarditis, pericardial trauma, pulmonary disease, such as a pulmonary embolism, stress, alcohol, hypothyroidism, systemic illness, such as sepsis or malignancy, and sick sinus syndrome. Following on from this, I would also ask, I would also try to determine whether it's valvular or non-valvular atrial fibrillation because this is going to affect the choice of anticoagulant used since valvular atrial fibrillation, uh, sorry, um, valvular atrial fibrillation is defined as mitral stenosis or artificial heart valve. Finally, in, on history, I'd want to determine the Chadsvask and Hasblad scores and then discuss this with the patient regarding the need for anticoagulation and then decide on the choice of anticoagulant. As part of the physical examination, I would ensure that the patient is hemodynamically stable by checking their vital signs with a focus on their blood pressure, which can be used in the CHADS vascular and the temperature to exclude a febrile illness as a potential precipitant of the AF. And then I'd conduct a full cardiovascular examination, particularly looking for signs of valvular atrial fibrillation because the CHADS vascular only applies to non-valvular AF. So signs of valvular AF might include mitral stenosis where you hear an opening snap followed by a diastolic decrescendo murmur or a mechanical valve where you'd hear a mechanical click. And on the cardiovascular exam, I'd also want to look for effects of atrial fibrillation on the cardiovascular system, such as acute heart failure where you might see a raised JVP. 
um, on physical exam, I'd also assess for clinical features or conditions contributing to the CHADS VASC score, such as CCF, peripheral vascular disease, focal neurological deficits, which might suggest stroke, diabetes. And then I would also assess for underlying cause of atrial fibrillation on examination. So checking for anemia, acute coronary syndrome, acute infection, pulmonary disease, hypothyroidism, which would be uh, signs such as lid lag, lid retraction, goiter, tremor, proximal myopathy, brisk reflexes, and also signs of alcohol abuse. For my investigations at the bedside, I'd want to do an ECG where I might expect to see absent P waves and pathological Q waves or other signs of cardiac disease and a blood sugar level, which is part of the CHAS vascular. For my bloods, I'd want to be looking for factors that may precipitate atrial fibrillation so a full blood count looking for infection or anemia and then as indicated I might do a blood culture if I suspected infection, um, thyroid function tests if I suspected thyrotoxicosis, troponins if I was suspecting acute coronary syndrome as a precipitant and then EUCs would be necessary since the EGFI is required for the appropriate dosing of warfarin since NOACs are contraindicated in end-stage renal disease. Finally, on imaging, I'd want to do a transthoracic echocardiogram to firstly rule out a thrombus in the atrial appendages and secondly, in order to um, rule out underlying mitral stenosis, which would contraindicate the use of NOACs. Uh, as a side note, you can also look for left atrial dilatation. Um, mitral regurg and mitral stenosis can cause left atrial dilatation and then lead to AF which would suggest that the AF is permanent rather than paroxysmal. And on, to uh, and on TTE, you can also look for signs of CCF, like assessing the ejection fraction, looking for a non-mobile section of the left ventricle, and evaluate, evaluate the size of the atria and the ventricles. The management pathway of the patient would depend on whether the AF is acute or chronic, and if the patient is hemodynamically stable. If they were unstable, I'd treat them as above. Um, but assuming that they are in acute AF that's hemodynamically stable, the treatment would involve rate control, anticoagulation, cardioversion, and then determining the etiology. So rate control would be aimed at a target heart rate of between 60 to 100 beats per minute. And the agents used are beta blockers generally with atenolol or metoprolol. And otherwise you can use calcium channel blockers such as diltiazem or verapamil. If there was left ventricular systolic dysfunction present, then you might consider digoxin or amiodarone instead. And a trial called the AFFIRM trial confirmed that rate control is superior to rhythm control. Secondly, um, anticoagulation is crucial in order to prevent the risk of stroke with a target INR of between 2 to 3 if the patient is on warfarin. Um, in the short term, if the patient had AF present for greater than 48 hours or for an unknown length of time, the risk of embolism during cardioversion is quite significant at 2 to 5%. So the patient needs to be anticoagulated for three weeks before and four weeks after cardioversion. Um, the three weeks would be to dissolve the clot and then four weeks after would be to prevent clot formation when the atrium is stunned by the cardioversion. Alternatively, you could first perform a toe in order to image the left atrium and if there's no thrombus present then start the patient on IV heparin and perform cardioversion within 24 hours and then you can similarly anticoagulate the patient for four weeks afterwards. If however the patient was presenting with AF less than 48 hours of onset then you don't require anticoagulation prior to cardioversion and then after cardioversion you can continue anticoagulation for four weeks afterwards. 
Um, in the long term, the need for anticoagulation is then determined by the transvasc and the has blood scores. So cardioversion is considered to revert the patient to sinus rhythm after rate control has been achieved. So appropriate candidates for cardioversion will be patients who are hemodynamically unstable, if they had worsening symptoms, or if, the first, if it's the first case of atrial fibrillation, particularly in a patient who's quite young, if they're very symptomatic, or if they had poor left ventricular function, such as an atrial kick. Electrical cardioversion is preferred over pharmacological cardioversion, and the ventricular rate needs to be controlled before attempting di direct current cardioversion. Pharmacolog pharmacological cardioversion can be used if the electrical cardioversion fails or if it's um, not indicated. So options can include things like amiodarone, flecainide, sotalol, and procainamide. Finally, you'd want to determine and reverse the etiology of AF as discussed previously. So things like um, well, age can't be fixed, but heart disease, um, coronary artery disease, heart disease, including coronary artery disease, myocardial infarction, hypertension, CCF, valvular heart disease, or pericarditis, pericardial trauma, pulmonary disease, including PE, systemic illness such as sepsis and malignancy, stress, alcohol, hypothyroidism, and sick sinus syndrome.